Theology Thursday Live. We're again talking about repentance from this backward printed book um, by the Puritan Thomas Watson, 1600s, and uh, pretty good. And today we're going to be talking about, uh, he's going to be talking about, and I'm going to be talking about what he's talking about, which is um, the repentance. He's talking about who all needs repentance, what types of people, and today. I'm going to look at what he says about the need for Christians, true believers, people who are born again Christians, that with their need for repentance as well. Now, this is somewhat a controversial subject among people who disagree, which I imagine would be true for every controversial subject. But I've run into this some in my own church with uh, people that in my own denomination or Reformed denominations that uh, believe the Bible and hold it as the their authority, but don't believe that Christians should um, repent because we've already confessed our sin, we've already been forgiven, um, we just need to learn to walk in that forgiveness, we need to um, be able to do all these things. Hello, Amy, why are you laughing at me? Oh, because of what I said. <laughs> so, um, the, <clears throat> the people who don't believe that Christians should repent um, really uh, are very grace-oriented. They want to focus on grace, uh, that the, the Christian is covered by grace, and therefore there's no need to repent. There's the idea of needing to um, just walk in your forgiveness. But what tends to happen are the people that, that I've come across that are the most grace-oriented people can be very legalistic about it they can be um, pharisaical about it They're, they don't they lack love oftentimes they can be angry about it um, but that can be true on both sides of an argument but it always strikes me as um, isn't it ironic that um, somebody who is all about grace and mercy and forgiveness can be um, pretty antagonistic towards people who think maybe there's a little bit of balance or nuance that needs to be spoken of. So, um, and I think those people tend to be what we call antinomians more so than people who are just focused on grace because um, the church is a, a, an institution of grace, not of law. Um, we're given salvation by mere grace from what Jesus has done on the cross, not by any good within us. Um, repentance, the... Um, the uh, metanoia, the changing of the mind, and the Old Testament called shuv, a turning, um, repentance being you know, not just a I will stop doing this and start doing that, but it's a a recognition of the fact that the heart is disordered, that the uh, the mind is disordered, that the will is a combination of these things um, goes after only. Um, things which are self-serving and not glorifying to God. So as a person is born again, that changes. Um, and the first step of, of faith is to a recognition of our sinfulness, our need for God. So there's a repentance, a changing from one direction, following after one um, God to following after the one true God, recognition of what he's done for us, um, what God has done for us in Christ. So um, you see where the debate would would, would possibly rage is there a need for prayers of repentance in a Christian worship service I've been told we're wrong to do that and I've been told that you're not a church if you don't do that that it is a necessary part of a worship service is the confession of sin and the assurance of pardon that we find in Christ Jesus so um, I believe 
what Watson writes here is correct. I believe that Christians um, certainly need to continue to repent, to renew their repentance um, daily even, to examine themselves, to see if they're, one, still in the faith, and two, to be able to examine themselves, am I walking in the Spirit? Paul writes, the Bible writes, just read the Bible, not just... Um, have a conviction about certain things and then find certain verses that you find to back up what you say. But as you read the scripture, you see grace as being central, but you also see the call to the believer to walk in that grace, to walk in the spirit and not the flesh. So if we're to walk in the spirit and not the flesh, to, set the, to have the mind set on the on the flesh is death, it says. Um, this is in uh, Romans, Romans 8, I think. Um, but they had the mindset on the spirit is life and peace. So um, I would strongly disagree with those brothers and sisters who think that a uh, Christian has no need for repentance anymore. But we certainly have no need for repentance as a uh, means of salvation because repentance is not what saves you it's faith uh, repentance is a fruit of faith but i believe it's an ongoing one you're forgiven and so um, but do we still sin yes and so what we do with our sin as forgiven believers who are hidden in christ is confess our sins one to another and he, and to the lord who's faithful and just to forgive us our sins so let's look at what um watson has to say here's not trying not to be too long here today just reading a few excerpts from um this chapter six again from that backwards printed book um he says let me get to the correct page. Repentance is necessary for God's own people. So this is his point. Repentance, and this is a Puritan writer again. Um, repentance is necessary for God's own people. They must offer up a daily sacrifice of tears. The antinomians, and that means against the law, so people who believe the law has no place whatsoever in a believer's life. Antinomians hold that when any come to be believers... They have a writ of ease. So you had a piece of paper that legally gives you the, the, you don't have to worry about how you live your life anymore. And there remains nothing for them to do now but to rejoice. Okay, so you can see where that idea would come from. And he writes, repentance is a continuous act. And that is the question at point. The issue of godly sorrow must not be quite stopped till death. Repentance is called crucifying the flesh, Galatians 5.24, which is not done of a sudden, but leisurely. It will be doing all our life. So again, remember in the 1600s, and um, so when he says leisurely, he doesn't mean, we would mean uh, lazily, but he means ongoing. This isn't like quickness done, but it's, it's a one-time thing, justification, one-time act. Yes, you're forgiven, you're declared righteous. But sanctification, also a one-time act, you're set apart unto God. But also the, the, the renewing of your mind, the transforming of your mind by the, um, um, the Spirit of Christ that we are, by the renewing of the mind and um, dying to sin and living to righteousness. This is an ongoing thing that we'll be doing our entire lives. Then he writes, "Have not your sins of day? Have not you sins of daily incursion? <laughs> so don't you sin every day? Um, though you are diamonds, have you no flaws? 
Search with the candle of the word into your hearts and see if you can find no matter for repentance there. So he's saying if you don't believe that Christians should repent, look in your own life and see if you don't see that you, you particularly have reasons for repentance. Um, not that we aren't already forgiven, but that we continue to go to Christ, to the Father, um, to acknowledge our sin and to continue to receive the benefits of the gospel applied to our hearts and our lives. Okay, he writes, A. Repent of your rash censoring. Instead of praying for others, you are ready to pass a verdict on them. So this is what he does now. He goes through a few um, sins that Christians um, in general can be guilty of. So rash censoring, it means being rather judgmental about what people do. Um, not that we aren't called to judge things, but being judgmental, you know, just like not knowing why somebody does something, but imputing motive to them and, and just, you know, thinking you're better than other people, passing verdict on people. Um, uh, repent of your vain thoughts, he says, just things that, that, that are just uselessness, that Satan does not possess your bodies, he does possess your fancies. So it's interesting, you know, look at the way you spend your spare time, the things you do when your thoughts um, are just, um, are, are, are in vanity, how, you know, what's that, idle hands of the devil's workshop, an idle mind, you know, so it's the devil's plaything. so be careful. Repent of your vain fashions. So, it's an interesting way to say something. He, he explains, It is strange that the garments, the clothes, which God has given to cover shame, should discover pride. The godly are bid not to be conformed to this world. Okay, so he gives us, clothes us with his righteousness. And that's meant to cover our shame. And then what we in turn do with that is become very prideful of the fact that we're in Christ, that we've been covered, that we've been forgiven, and then we think we're better than other people and things. And so that's an interesting thing. And the way he puts it is, it is, a, it is strange that the garments which God has given to cover shame should discover pride. Um, D, repent of your decays in grace. Decay of, in grace. Thou hast left thy first love, Revelation 2, 4. So, yeah, you're falling away from, repent of that. You know, and maybe, depending on when you became a believer, we've all experienced um, um, super jumps of grace, super um, moments in our lives where we've made great advancement, um, so to speak, in, in the things of faith, where we've come to know God more specially and um, and so then we fall very much in love and then as time goes on we can forget our first love we can become lukewarm and he says as Christians that's something that we need to repent of um, E. Repent of your non-improvement of talents so he says can you say Lord thy pound hath gained five pounds <laughs> He's not talking about weight. He's talking about money. Uh, that talent is in the scriptures. The, you know, you gave me five talents and I've, I've earned five more. Can we say that? That what God has given us, that we've made use of it in the kingdom. The great, and, and there's a conviction for the American church for sure. Look at what we've been given. Look how much we have. Look at, you know, we, we don't even appreciate everything we have. We, we, we spend more time maintaining 
the gifts that God has given us than thanking God for the gifts he's given us. So that even the gifts that God has given us can become snares for us rather than blessings for other people. So let it not be said so of us. And we should examine that. And that's something we should repent of. In other words, and repenting doesn't mean, uh, and we should sorrow. You know, go back, listen to other things, the other videos and the book, read the book, you know, where it talks about what true repentance is, but um, it, it is a sorrow over sin, but it's also, it's just, it's a recognition that we've been wrong and that God is right and that we need to renew um, our, 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 our desire of following him and, and, and walk in this forgiveness he's had so that we can improve um, our talents. He says, oh, mourn at the burial of your talents. Let it grieve you that so much of your age has not been time lived, but time lost. Ooh. Yeah, so the older you get, you know, you wasted my life. What have I done? You know, to be young and to discover this truth and this, um, you know, to see young missionaries, people who go out on the field when they're young. And um, even they, when they're old, I'm sure they'll look back and say, oh, the more things I could have done. The, you know the greater things I could have done. So um, something for Christians to repent of is you know living a life that's um, that's being wasted on spending it on your mere desires and just your flesh, just you know making sure I'm happy and, and running to and fro rather than being able to spend your life in the in the service of others and, and thinking of others is more important than yourself. Um, it says repent of your forgetfulness of sacred vows. A vow is a binding one soul to God. So Christians, have you not, since you have been bound to God, forfeited your indentures? Goodness, I tell you what, I'm I'm glad we <laughs> forfeited your indentures. So you've been, let me keep reading. See what he says. Have you not served for common uses after you have been the Lord's by solemn dedication? Okay, so you've become the Lord's servant, um, and then you go and you serve other things that um, that take all your time, that take all your mind, that take all your energy, and you forget God. And even especially because he's the one who's even giving these things that it's worse. So Christians, we need to repent of, um, again, it's a returning to your first love type thing. G, repent of your unanswerableness to blessings received. I kind of talked about that already. You know, you, you have a blessing. You need to be thankful for these things. Um, repent, H, repent of your worldliness, um, becoming too much like the world, and we need to recognize that. Um, and then finally, I, he says, repent of your divisions. And he, he continues, there are a blot in your coat armor, okay, in your armor there's a, there's a chink in your mail, so to speak, and make others stand aloof from religion. So because of your problem, you know, so, so we have um, believers, he's saying, and, um, and we have these divisions between us, and it causes um, non-believers to look and, and say, well, I don't want anything to do with that, and so... Where does it talk about in scripture? It says, don't, don't get in arguments just about words, which only ruins the hearers. So we need to be very careful that if we have divisions in the Christian church, that they are um, issues of gospel importance and not just that we're arguing over, you know, third, secondary, tertiary issues, things that don't really matter. And we're just dividing over over stuff. And I think it's incumbent upon believers especially. And I think this is what persecution trials are going to be for and if, if God's going to um, give us revival as we've been praying for in this country I think it's going to come from hardship and trials and persecution so you know don't 
don't keep whining about, oh no, the end of the world's coming. Well, it's like, because all these things we see happening, uh, maybe these things we see happening is so that the church might revive. The dross can be burned off. True believers made to be uh, more true. And then that attract more people to say, yes, there is something of this gospel. There is something of the church. It's not a mere social gathering that there is, that we don't deny the power of God. And, and when, when things are tough, that's when faith is strengthened. And so you want revival? Then don't have a wealth and health prosperity gospel because that's not the way it works. So he goes on. Um, Indeed, to separate from the wicked resembles Christ, who was separate from sinners. But for the godly to divide among themselves and look askew at one another, had we as many eyes as there are stars... There were few enough to weep for this. So we need to be crying over this. Divisions eclipse the church's beauty and weaken her strength. Okay, so that's divisions. Um, and our problem is we find divisions everywhere. And we need, to, we need to be about unity and strength, but not at the cost of truth. But be careful where you plant that flag of truth. Um, let's see, I think we have time. Just to, we can... Yeah, all right, finish this chapter out here. Um, J, repent of the iniquity of your holy things. How often have the services of God's worship been frozen with formality and soured with pride? Okay, so he's saying um, we need to look at our worship services. Um, On the one hand, they can be so formal and cold because we must not show emotion that we no longer um, show emotion for the things of God. Or they can be so emotional um, that, you know, why do people come to a worship service? What are they looking for? And and the world doesn't know what to look for. And as somebody is called um, by Christ, um, we have to be careful that um, people can be drawn to music. People can be drawn to a crowd. People can be drawn to exuberant excitement. And, and you know, and maybe rightly so, but we have to be careful about um, stirring up a false excitement in the church so that people can be excited about God. But if you're excited about the music, music is your guide. You know, you gotta be careful of that. If you're excited about the energy in a crowd, you gotta be careful. I mean, that's the, Satan can produce that kind of thing. Um, it needs to be um, people are moved. The great number of people there are moved by the glory of God in the presence. They're moved by the exposition of Scripture. They're moved by the work of God. They're moved by the grace of God in their lives, and they sing out of a joy for God. They pray out of a joy for God. They um, sing. They they repent. They 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 pray. They love one another. They encourage one another. And these things um, are the reason that we that we come. We need to examine ourselves and see whether we be in the faith. Um, and then he says, repentance is necessary for all sins. Let us be deeply humbled and mourn before the Lord for original sin. Original sin is uh, you're born in sin. It's the inherited from, from Adam. Our nature is vitiated with corruption. Original sin has diffused itself as a poison into the whole man. Like the Jerusalem artichoke, uh, which wherever it is planted soon overruns the ground. So I do have these weeds in my yard. It's like they just get everywhere. Um, that's the way um, original sin can be. Um, Paul says, the good that I would do, I do not. Sin hangs weights upon us so that we move but slowly to heaven. 
owe this adherence to sin. So it clings so easily. Sin does not come as a lodger for a night, but as an indweller. Um, so we had to be careful with that. The more we sin, the fuller we are of sin. So you have to be careful with that. Another wedge to break our hearts is that original sin mixes with the very habits of grace. Hence it is that our actings towards heaven, heaven are so dull and languid. Why does love to God burn no purer, but because it is hindered with lust? So we love God, but we also love other things. We love the gifts of God more than maybe we love the giver. Um, let us lament the corruption of our will and our affections. Let us mourn for the corruption of our will. They will um, distract. They will make God. They, let's, he uses an odd word here. Distastes, distaste. They will cause us to dislike God. Not that he's good, but that he's holy. Um, so we like the fact that God's good, but the holiness of God, that might bother us if we're not striving toward that holiness ourselves. Let us grieve for the diversion of our affections. Our affections are diverted. They are taken off from the proper object, which we should be focused on Christ, but instead we fall in love with other things. Um, at the beginning, our affections were wings to fly to God, and now they are weights to pull us from him. What action proceeds from us wherein we do not betray some sin? So everything we do, it's some sort of sin that we see within us. Let actual sins be solemnly repented of before the Lord. So, I mean, I agree with all that. Some of it's a little hard to understand. But basically, um, as believers, we still sin. You're saved. You're hidden in Christ. Um, live in that grace. Love in that grace. You fall down. You get up. You keep moving. You go to a God of grace for forgiveness. Uh, it's a great joy to know that God does not treat us as our sin deserves. That God doesn't wait for us to perfect ourselves to use us in his service. Um, but that doesn't mean that um, we don't feel sorry for our sin. I mean, how, are, how do we die to sin except hate it? Um, but not so much that it, it destroys us, but that it helps us to appreciate him all the more. And then to know that, well, I'm walking in the spirit. Because walking in the flesh is to look at how bad I am. To, to look at these things and to, to say, well, then what good am I? And to be angry and bitter over that. And then you start getting mad at other people and stuff. But to find the joy in forgiveness. To find the beauty in the fact that God loves you as you are and loves you too much to leave you that way. These things are, are um, deep, deep, deep things. Um, so we continue to repent. We continue to um, ask God to forgive us while we know we stand in him forgiven. So um, pray for us. Hey, we're going to Haiti. Uh, I'm going in March and then we're going again in May. Um, pray for that trip and um, continue to pray for the church in general. Pray for our church. If you need prayer, let us know. If you're not going to church, find a Bible-believing church that, um, that really has a heart for um, reaching the lost. And, um, and then be a part of it and make a difference. God bless.